Let me just take a moment while the power kids are leaving just to say that uh, I am very excited that uh, upwards, I hope, of a thousand men are going to be reading the Gospel of John for the next 21 days, starting tomorrow. I just read one chapter a day. There will be a very short blog on the website that you can follow along with your ministers and men's ministry leaders. And then we'll get together on Tuesday mornings. We'll take about 45 minutes before we go to work and just say, what is God saying to us as we read the Gospel of John together? It's going to be a great experience. So, this guy is so excited because through his company, he wins a prize that is a ticket to the Super Bowl. But when he actually gets to the game, he finds out that his ticket is in the last row of the farthest corner of the end zone. He is closer to the blimp than he is to the field. He has to use his binoculars just to see the action. But he does notice on about the 23rd row on the 50-yard line is an empty seat all through the first quarter. He keeps noticing that. So he thinks, well, what can it hurt? He slips past a few security guards and walks down the aisle to the 23rd row on a 50-yard line and says to the man by the empty seat, is anyone sitting here? He said, no, help yourself. He plops himself down. He cannot believe his good fortune. He says out loud, who on earth would have a ticket to a seat like this at the Super Bowl and not use it? And the man turned and said, well, actually, that seat belongs to me. It was for my wife, but she recently passed away. This will be our first Super Bowl in 27 years not to come together. And the man said, oh, I'm so sorry, but I'm surprised you couldn't get a relative or a close friend to come with you. He said, no, they're all at the funeral. And I suspect... That some of you have felt like that man, that your life is not where it's supposed to be. I don't even mean that you're in a bad place or an evil place. I just mean sometimes we have this sense, you know, my life is not where it should be. I'm not doing with my life what I sense I was meant to do. Maybe that's because you have a call waiting. So I'm starting a new series today, and through the spring we're going to look at some of the great calling passages of the Bible. But what I want to do today is just introduce to you the idea that God calls people. That one of the most important things to know about God is that He is by nature a revealing God. In other words, it is consistent with His character to make His existence and His will known to people. And aren't we glad? Because what could we know about God if He didn't choose to let us know it? But the Bible says our God reveals Himself. He does it through His creation. He does it through the Scripture. We call it the revelation of God. He does it through life circumstances. He does it through supernatural miracles. He reveals Himself through the actions of His people. And He reveals Himself through the Holy Spirit that He gives to all who believe in Christ. And of course, the preeminent way that God has revealed Himself is in Jesus. It is in Jesus that we see and know who God is and what He's like. 
And when God reveals Himself, He always expects a response. You won't find a single time in the Bible that God reveals something about who He is to a person and then says, Oh, I was just dropping by. Go on about your business. When God reveals Himself, He expects you to respond. And this response is often referred to in the Bible as a calling. The God of the Bible is a God who calls. And His calls usually disrupt the lives of settled people. His calls typically come with a mission that is going to involve inconvenience and even risk. His calls tend to preempt any agenda for your life that you had entertained up to that point. So he calls Abraham and says, leave your family and leave your country and start walking. I'll tell you when to stop. And he calls Moses and says, leave your flocks and head back to Egypt. I've got a job for you. You need to tell something to Pharaoh. And he calls Mary and says, I need you to bear a son that only the Holy Spirit can create. And Jesus walks up to fishermen and says, put the nets down and follow me. See, everything changes when you answer the call. But here's what we're going to see as we study. That not everybody in the Bible answers the call. God calls some people and they don't pick up the phone. Now, I wonder where you're at today. See, some of us grew up in a religious tradition that said, well, God just doesn't call people anymore. He used to do that back in Bible days, but he went into retirement. That view is inconsistent with who God is. It is God's nature to reveal Himself. That doesn't, it can't ever change. Now, I think instead a lot of us think, well, now I know God calls people, but God only calls special people. He called apostles and He called prophets and He, he probably calls preachers. He probably calls missionaries. Maybe in a few countries He even calls people to be martyrs. But I'm just Joe the plumber. God doesn't call people like me. And I believe the Bible teaches differently. I believe God calls all of us. That He asks all of us to reorient our lives around a new version of reality. That the problem is not that God has stopped calling. It is, in fact, that many of us are not listening and answering. That maybe you have a call waiting. I want to share with you quickly three calls I believe everyone in this room needs to answer. The first is the most important. We are called to be saved. God's most important call is to believe the gospel and trust in His Son, Jesus. And you shouldn't expect any other call from God until you answer this one. And this is a universal call. It is a whosoever will 
called. Now, I know for centuries, Christians have debated, does God call everybody? And some say, no, He doesn't. He only calls the elect, and the non-elect don't get called to be saved. I don't think the Bible teaches that. John 3, 16 says, For God so loved the world, He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him will be saved. Mark 16 says, Go preach the Bible, or the gospel to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. 2 Peter 3 says, God is not willing that anybody should perish. Acts 10 says, God is no respecter of persons. I believe we are all called. But in reaction to that theology, I think sometimes we've gone too far the other way and said, no, it's all about us. It's all about our response. It's all about what we do to save ourselves. And that too is a mistake. You've got to understand, in the Bible, God always makes the first move in salvation. Let me put it this way. You're not saved because God answered your call. You're saved because you answered God's. He called you to be saved. The Scriptures are so clear on this. Jesus said, Matthew 9, 13, For I have not come to call the righteous But sinners, this was his mission, to call sinners. In Acts 2.39, Peter has just preached the first gospel sermon. He said, repent and be baptized for forgiveness of sins, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And the next verse says, for this promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. Paul in 1 Corinthians 1.9 says, God who has called. You into the fellowship of the son, Jesus Christ, our Lord is faithful. And then a few verses later in that same chapter is one of my favorite texts in the New Testament. We preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles, but to those whom God has called both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Look at one more verse with me from Second Thessalonians chapter two. But we ought always to thank God for your brothers loved by the Lord, because from the beginning, notice the next three words, God chose you to be saved through the sanctifying work of the Spirit and through belief in the truth. He called you to this through our gospel that you might share in the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. I hear people all the time saying, well, I found the Lord. I've got news for you, friend. God found you before you ever started looking for Him. Now, this does not mean that God coerces. God calls, but God does not force. Even in Acts 2.39, when Peter said, this promise is for all whom the Lord will call, the next verse says, so save yourselves from this generation. So we're saying that when God calls, you do need to respond. But please understand that your choice is first a response to His choice. Otherwise, we would start boasting in how well we choose. Look at one more verse from 2 Peter. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. You see... You didn't answer the call to salvation because you're so good. 
You answered it because God is. He called you because He's good and gracious. Do you remember when you answered the call? A little later today, there's going to be a football game. You may have heard about it. One of the quarterbacks is named Drew Brees. Listen as he tells of the day he heard the call. How did you first come to faith in Christ? You know, um, I, I first really accepted Jesus Christ in my heart uh, on my 17th birthday, um, January 15th. <laughs> um, I was actually in church. It was a Sunday in church. And before that, you know, I had gone to church with my, my family. And um, but I was just kind of there, you know, listening to the stories. And, you know, it all sounded good, but I didn't, didn't fully, truly understand it, get it, or accept it. And it was at that moment I remember our pastor um, talking about God looking for a few good men. And they referenced the movie, A Few Good Men. Uh, but they said, God is out there, and he's looking for a few good men. And all of a sudden, the light bulb went off in my head. And I was just like, hey, that's me. I can be one of those few good men. For the first time, I felt like God was really talking to me and speaking to me. And um, So that was, that was the day. Okay, to hear that last line. I felt God was talking and speaking to me. Let me tell you why many people, quote, get saved and their life never shows it. Because if you got saved because your friends put pressure on you at camp, or because your family expected you to walk down an aisle, or because some preacher screamed and guilted you into a response, then you didn't answer a call. Salvation that is real and lasting and bears fruit is the response to hearing God say, Come. And if you haven't done that, and if you haven't placed saving trust in Jesus, then friend, you have a call waiting. You are called to be saved. You're also called to be changed. God calls us to be something before He ever calls us to do something. And that's because you can't succeed in what you do if you fail in who you are. And who you are is a new creation enabled by the Holy Spirit to reflect the character of Christ. You have been saved and called now to live in such a way that Jesus looks good. You were called to be changed. And God is working through all the circumstances in your life to make this happen. Look at one of the best known verses in the Bible, in Romans 8. We know that in all things God works for the good of those who love Him, who've been called according to his purpose now let me stop he does not say all things are good he said god can work in anything going on in your life because you've been called to live out god's purpose now what is god's purpose what is god working in all of your life circumstances to do 
For those God foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of His Son. That He might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those He predestined, He also called. And those He called, He also justified. And those He justified, He also glorified. We've been called. We've been set apart to be like Jesus. The word often used for this in the Bible is the word holy, because it means to be set apart. 1 Corinthians 1, 2, to the church of God in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be holy. 1 Peter 1, 15, for just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. 1 Thessalonians 4, 7 says, for God did not call us to be impure, but to live a holy life. By the way, in that particular passage, the context is sexual purity. Let me just take a quick moment and say something I've needed to address. Because this is a good thing. So many new people are visiting our church. And a lot of you have never, ever been in a church before. And one of the questions we're dealing with a lot is, I want to follow Jesus, but you don't know yet that following Jesus involves holiness, specifically sexual purity. What this means is that sex is for marriage. You're not to be having sex except if you're married and only with your mate. This is what you were called to. You know why? Because the Bible says that marriage is an illustration to the world of Christ's own faithfulness to His church. So if you're having sex with anybody except your marriage partner, you are living outside of your calling. What God wants is for people to see through your behavior on the earth what He sees through the blood of Jesus in heaven. And what He sees is a pure and holy bride washed in the blood of the Lamb. That's why the word that God uses for us more than any other in the New Testament is the word saints. The set apart, the holy ones. And all through the Bible we are encouraged, live up to your calling. If you're a baseball fan, you've heard the name of Oral Hershiser. One of the great pitchers in baseball history, but he had a terrible start. By the way, his full name was Oral Leonard Quentin Hershiser IV. This is not a good baseball name. This is not a scary name. And he was not a scary pitcher. He was frail, he was skinny, and he didn't intimidate anybody. And he called up by the Dodgers, and he's having another bad outing. Now, his manager was a name, guy named Tommy Lasorda. And he goes out to the mound, and he grabs him by the shoulders, and he says, Let me tell you what I see. Everyone out here sees a skinny, scared kid, but I see a fighter. I see a pitcher with some fire in his belly. I see a bulldog. So I'm not going to call you Oral Hershiser IV ever again. I'm going to call you Bulldog. And he left the mound. Oral Hershiser says that talk changed his career. He called it the Sermon on the Mound. 
He went on to become a great pitcher, won the Cy Young, was MVP of the League Series and the World Series. In fact, maybe you remember, they're playing the Mets, Game 7, to go to the World Series. He's pitching against Ron Darling, best pitcher for the Mets. It's Game 7. Was there any doubt who was going to win? Because Lasorda was in his dugout shouting, Go get him, Bulldog! And the other manager's having to shout, Throw strikes, darling. I mean, who's going to win that game? See, it matters a whole lot what you're called. And so the Bible says in Ephesians 4, verse 1, As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of your calling you've received. And if you're not living up to your new name, you have a call waiting. And one more thing. I believe you're called to be saved and changed and used. That God has calling everybody to partner with Christ in this adventure of bringing in His kingdom. I think this is the essence of discipleship. To answer Christ's call. In Mark chapter 3, we read that Jesus went up on a mountainside and He called to Him those He wanted and they came to Him and He appointed twelve, designating them apostles that they might be with Him and that they might, He might send them out to preach. Later in Acts 13, we read that the church in Antioch was worshiping the Lord and fasting and the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them and mission work was born. Now, a lot of people read those passages and say, yeah, that's for those special guys. No, I think those passages are normative. I think that's what it looks like to live in the kingdom of God. Because the Bible says that when you get saved, you receive the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit has given you at least one gift to promote the kingdom. So you have at least one calling to accept. All of you do. Second Thessalonians 1.11 says, With this in mind, we constantly pray for you, that our God may count you worthy of His calling, and that by His power He may fulfill every good purpose of yours and every act prompted by your faith. God, in His power, is motivating and energizing your Acts of faith, because this is your calling. In Galatians chapter 5 we read, You, my brothers, were called to be free, but don't use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. Why were you set free from legalism? Why did God set you free from sin? Why did God call you out of bondage? So you could serve people. So that you could be a blessing to the world. This is why. You were called. And servants, the highest calling in the kingdom of God. Now, our service is going to differ. But if we're answering a calling, it's going to be a joy. If you're serving because people have pressured you, because you're on a guilt trip, your service isn't joy, is it? And it's probably not bearing any fruit. Our service is to be in response to our calling.
And I believe God orchestrates our lives and puts all of us in unique places and times so that in that moment we could answer the call to be an ambassador for Christ. That's what Drew Brees says, that it's not an accident that he wound up in New Orleans just after Hurricane Katrina. Listen to his own words again. You kind of feel like God brought you here for a reason. Oh, without a doubt. I believe that coming to New Orleans was truly a calling and something that I was meant to do. And, you know, the circumstances behind me coming here, you know, it had I never had my injury in San Diego, you know, there's no telling where I would have ended up. I potentially could have just stayed in San Diego my whole career, um, you know, eventually left there, but then circumstances would have been different here. It was almost as if, I mean, the timing for both this city and the Saints organization and me, we were just brought together. Um, and I absolutely believe that, uh, you know, everything happens for a reason, that God puts you in positions that at the time you may kind of be wondering, why is this happening? Or, you know, I just don't quite understand it, but just have to trust and have faith and, and believe that, uh, that it's all for the greater good. And, and, and I truly believe that that's what happened here. So he's going on to uh, give a lot of money to children's hospitals, to special schools. He has been a symbol of hope for a city because he understands he's more than a football player, that being a football player is just a vehicle for something bigger, his calling. And God's asking you to do the same thing. God is asking you to live in a story that's bigger than the one you could write by yourself. And if you're still on the sidelines, you have a call waiting. If you're still on the sidelines, you have a call waiting. And a lot of us aren't answering the call. It's not that God doesn't call anymore. It's that we've been afraid to pick up the phone. And I'll tell you the biggest reason why. Why we're stalling. It's because there are a whole lot of other calls we're answering instead. See, that's how life works. Life is a series of calls. Your job is calling. Sin calls. Everyday affairs call. Your hobbies call. Even Jesus understood this. It says in Mark chapter 3 that he was preaching to a room full of people and his family came to get him. You know why? They were embarrassed. They wanted to change his mission. It says they sent someone in to call him. Jesus had to live deciding every day, which call am I going to answer? So do you. There's only one way you're going to hear God's call. You've got to hang up on the other ones. You've got to decide which call you're going to hear. You've got to decide whose call gets answered. I want to tell you the story 
as we close of a young man that I think understands this well. He's another football player. You've probably heard of him. His name is Tim Tebow. And apparently today there's going to be a commercial in which a story of his birth is going to be told. And some people are pretty upset. It goes like this. His parents were Christian missionaries in the Philippines. She was pregnant with her fifth child, which would be Tim. And in the course of her pregnancy, she contracted amoebic dysentery and became very ill. The doctors gave her the only medicine they knew to save her. But they said, this medicine most likely will damage the fetus. We recommend you have an abortion. She made a choice, a choice for life. And Tim was born. You've probably heard this story. And apparently today, during the Super Bowl, they want to tell this story with the message, celebrate family, celebrate life. And this has created some controversy with some people, particularly with radical feminist groups. And I'm going to go on a small little rant here. You can cut this out of the tape when you buy it. (laughs) National Organization of Women doesn't stand for National Organization of Women. It stands for National Organization of Women who only think like we do. They say they're pro-choice, but they're not pro-choice. They're pro-abortion. Because here is a woman that did what they validate. She made a choice to save a life, and they don't want the world to hear that story. It's ironic to me they say that story would demean women. For 40 years, they haven't protested during Super Bowl commercials why scantily clad women in bikinis bounce up and down selling beer. Apparently, that doesn't demean women. But a woman saying, I chose life is a problem. I think their values are very messed up. Tim Tebow was recently asked about this. He was also asked if he's still a virgin. And he said, yes, I'm saving myself for marriage. And some in the press corps kind of snickered. But he said, why does that embarrass you? You may or may not like the man as a football player, but I will respect him for this. He understands. His skill on a field is just a vehicle for his calling. His calling is to represent Christ and the kingdom of God. And you know what? So was yours. So was yours. Your life is about more than just paying off a mortgage and seeing how long you can put off death. You have a call waiting. So let me pray over you. Father, I ask now in Jesus' name that we will have ears to hear. Not even so much this sermon, but that we will have ears to hear your call. Maybe it came through this sermon, or maybe it's going to come through circumstances. Maybe through trials. Maybe through the discernment of the fellowship of the body of Christ. But Father, give us ears to hear and give us freedom from fear. Because for many of us... God, the problem is not that we don't sense our calling. We're just afraid where it will take us. So we ask for boldness and for clarity. 
that we can be the people who can say, I have heard from God. We ask this for the glory and sake of Jesus. Amen. So would you all be standing? I'm looking forward to this series. We're going to be looking at some great stories in the Bible. But first, first, if you have not answered the call to be saved, there is no other call that matters. You are called to receive Christ, to have your sins washed away. We're going to sing a song. And during that song, if you're here this morning needing to publicly accept Christ, do it. Come and be baptized right now, this morning, in this service, into Jesus' name, while we encourage you with these words.